You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Hey, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan here with special guest Mike McCallowitz. Uh, Mike is just an absolute rock star. We met the first time on SA3. I uh, first time speaking gig almost fell off the stage where Mike came in as a seasoned veteran and uh, opened up and dropped a knowledge bomb on the crowd. <laughs> if no one has ever met Mike or some background on Mike, uh, he's got some, several books out, highly successful. I recommend all of them. I've read them. Uh, Total Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, one of my favorites, Profit First, and Surge. Um, his newest book, Clockwork, basically how to run your business like clockwork without you, the business owner, being in the day-to-day grind. Um, and, and Mike, I'll, I'll let you do a quick intro, but um, I, one of the things I guess that struck me from the opening of that book was it was a, uh, I think the young lady's name was Celeste. And oh, was, yeah. Just name, but um, she basically hit rock bottom. She said the only way out if she didn't have a family was basically to end her life. Um, that that struck a chord with me, and I know is is business owners and entrepreneurs um, very similar to your story and profit first with your child handing over the piggy bank. Yeah, a similar situation where probably ten years ago I went through a divorce, hit rock bottom, was running my business by the bank account, which I'd never done before. If there was a hundred grand in the bank, we were making money. It was good. I woke up one Thursday morning with $56 in my bank account because I had an alert from the, the phone. And lo and behold, three or four days later, I had 10 grand in payroll. Uh, we hit that payroll and it recovered. But um, I know your lifelong mission is uh, you know, to rate or er, er, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. Yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, and I know my mission here personally is to help people take their life back from their business. So kind of um, I felt that emotional connection for you. So I just wanted to get that out. I mean, if you haven't read it, any Mike's books, um, the audible versions are awesome. Obviously, I like the hard right. copy, um, but I feel like I almost know you because it's like you take a minute and actually talk to the uh, the listeners. So really appreciate your time. I know you've got a compressed schedule, so we're going to get right back into it. But uh, if you want to open up, if anybody hasn't heard of you or anything new that's going on with you outside of clockwork, um, floor is yours. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, too. I mean, maybe the one thing I just want to add. Uh, well, I've written all these books and I've devoted my most recent 10 years to this. Um, I've owned businesses prior. I was in the service industry. Um, I was doing computer networks, computer services. Uh, I was in actually computer crime, not committing computer crime, but investigating computer crime. Um, and then uh, w- was in other businesses too, manufacturing and so forth. I-, I love entrepreneurship and I found a common challenge I was facing. And I believe it's true, Mike, for so many other entrepreneurs. This is why I call entrepreneurial poverty. The day you start your landscaping business, the entire world thinks you're a millionaire. Like all your friends are like, oh my God, you're an entrepreneur. You must be a millionaire the day you open the doors. And oh, and you don't even work. You just sit back and everyone else does the work. Like you live in the life. And the reality is we're working harder than we ever have. We're working our asses off and we're making no money. Um, that's what entrepreneurial poverty is. This per- outward perception of wealth, success, and ease and the reality of the struggle. And uh, I thought I was the only guy living through it. I discovered actually most entrepreneurs live through that. So I've devoted now my life as a author to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, to, to fix that, to recapture time, to be permanently profitable, uh, to make business run the way we intended it to. Awesome. And, and, and those books just speak of that. And I know one of the other uh, snippets you had in there that uh, you mentioned you had a, basically a badge of honor and you, you and your buddy were competing. I'd only slept three hours one night because I crushed yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's scary because I know as an entrepreneur myself, I feel like you're, you're on this isolated island and you think it's just you dealing with this. But listening to yourself um, talking from stage or getting out with other like-minded individuals like at the SA conferences, 
um, you find out that you're not the only one in this in this this battle. And, and there's a lot to be learned from people who've already been there and done that not to make the same mistakes. Yeah, that guy, his name is John Bates. He's actually coming into town uh, coincidentally tomorrow night, and uh, I'm going to spend some time with him. But we had a call, and uh, I was on the phone with him, and he's like, Mike, you wouldn't believe it, man. I only got four hours of sleep last night. I was just pushing. I was hustling hard. And I'm like, four hours? I got three hours of sleep. Mm. And I thought like I was the tough guy because I got less sleep. And now I see the idiocy in it. It simply means that all of my business progress hinged on my effort. Like the day I slipped up, the entire business would slip up. That's stupid. That, that's building a house of cards on your own shoulders. So uh, th that and uh, other sequence of events finally gave me this awakening that we should no longer be proud of uh, of workaholism. I, I think we gotta be real careful too. The, the mentality now of you know, hustle hard, grind, grind, grind. Like I understand the sentiment of launching a business, but to live that way is the most ineffective way. Successful entrepreneurs aren't doing carrying the business on the back. They're carrying the business on the brain. And what I mean is they're thinking about the business. They're, they're choreographing the resources, the, pe the people they have, the, the equipment they have, the, the, the software and all this stuff. They organize it as efficiently as possible to get the end result. That's what it's about. It's not about your back. It's about your brain. And, and I guess diving into the brain, Mike, um, there's some things that struck me out, some key takeaways from Clockwork. So if you haven't checked it out, it's in all the major bookstores. It's on Audible. Check it out. Um, but Mike and I are going to dive into some of the key takeaways and just kind of give you some insight. Um, the biggest thing right off the bat was the QBR, the queen yeah. bean role uh, to protect and serve that QBR. Uh, would you mind diving in and explaining what that QBR is and how we all have a QBR in a business, believe it or not, and, and how do we protect and serve that queen bean role? Every business has one. And I'm so happy, Mike, you're starting here because th this is the heart of a business. So just as a little bit of background to explain what the QBR is, I started researching all different types of businesses. I remember visiting a playset manufacturer in Pennsylvania. They do $75 million in revenue, trying to figure out what makes Playworld Systems, that's the name of the company, run efficiently. I met with landscapers. I met with pizza shop owners. I met with everyone in between, trying to figure out what brought about efficiency. The funny thing was I couldn't find a common thread. All of them had their own approach, but I couldn't find a common thread. So then I rewound a step further and I said, you know, there's gotta be an organization that has this. And, and I ultimately found them. Now it's not a human organization. It's, it's an insect one. It's called beehives. Beehives are extremely efficient. Uh, and specifically you, you may have looked out the window one day, you see a bee flying around next day. There's this massive hive here. How do they scale so quickly and so effortlessly? So I started to research it out and they do hold the answer for all of us. Every bee in a beehive knows the most critical role of the hive is the production of eggs. And the reason that's most important is that beehives have a very short lifespan. I think it's like six, maybe eight weeks before a bee will die. Therefore, it's the constant production of eggs that matters. Who's serving that role happens to be the queen bee. There's this one bee who spawns all the eggs. Now, the hive knows that it needs to protect the function of laying eggs, the role. And, and I don't want anyone entrepreneur confusing themselves saying, oh, I see it. My organization has a queen bee. I'm the queen bee, therefore I'm most important. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying there's a certain role within your organization that's the equivalent of laying eggs. The survivability and therefore the thriveability of a hive or your organization depends on identifying this and protecting it. And what bees do is if there's no egg production or the egg production is struggling, all the bees will revert to supporting it, cooling the hive, heating the hive, bringing in more food for the queen bee to produce. If the queen bee herself is failing to produce eggs, they get her out of the hive and they spawn a new queen bee. 
It's not the bees that matter. It's the production of eggs that support all the bees. So here's where the analogy uh, works with business. And, and I'll, I'll use FedEx as an example because they're such a recognized brand. Everyone here listening knows who FedEx is. FedEx has a singular role. And the queen bee role is always a singular role that you hinge your company's success on. Uh, it's, and it's always tied into your brand promise, meaning what the customer de deems as the most important benefit they're deriving from you. So you have to know what your brand promise is. What's the one big thing you commit to deliver to your customers? The one thing you stand on. And for FedEx, it's the delivery of packages. In fact, they had those famous commercials saying, if it absolutely positively needs to be there by tomorrow, FedEx is your choice. That's the brand promise. So you may, you may promise uh, like, you know, a, beautiful looking landscape property. You may promise uh, uh, a perpetual uptake, uptake that you're there all the time. And they, you know you can have a different promise, but you have to have one primary promise you're making. That's the brand promise. Then we peel back the onion one layer and we look at what's the one key activity, it's always an activity, that supports that promise. And for FedEx, they promise to deliver packages on time. We peel back the onion, the one activity that supports that is logistics. It's the movement of packages to the point where if FedEx says, you know what, screw logistics, let's, let's be customer service oriented. Let's be the friendliest company ever. Will people notice? I mean, those are friendly. Will they keep doing business with FedEx? No way. If you don't know if your packages are going to maybe be delivered or not, or don't know when, why would you ever go with FedEx? Because their commitment is to deliver packages on time. So, Knowing the QBR, the one most important activity in your organization that your business is hinging its success on, the promise is delivering packages, so it's the logistics that matter, they make sure every employee protects it. And here's what I'm saying. If, uh, if packages are slowing down or there's a problem, people step in. And here's the example. It happens every Christmas uh, and, and winter holiday season. The package demand surges. So the managers don't just sit back and say, what's the problem with our organization? They get on the trucks and start delivering. Package delivery logistics matters the most. So in, in our businesses, first question is, what's that promise you're making to the market? What's the one biggest thing you stand out on? There can only be one. What's the one biggest thing? Then peel back to the one layer and say, what's the one activity that makes that brand promise a reality? That's your queen bee role. Once you notify your, or notice or know, I should say, what your queen bee role is, everyone in your organization, even if you're an organizational one, everyone needs to know what it is and that has to be the primary focus. That can never be compromised. It always must be elevated. Other things can wait, but the QBR never can. Okay, and then tying into that, um, Mike, amazing insight to that. And I, you know, I think if, if business owners stay committed to that and people in the business, that that is just going to overwhelmingly lead to success. Um, so, as the business owner, if I am supporting that Q, QBR, um, you, you highlighted on the four Ds, um, hmm. four big things in there. So, are there certain things? In my role as a business owner, whether I'm a solo entrepreneur or a multi-million dollar entrepreneur, or maybe I'm I'm the guy or girl with one or two crews and a home cleaning business, and I want to get to that multi-million dollar stage and get to this part where I'm I'm an absentee owner. Mm -hmm. um, how do those four Ds align with that QBR, and, and are they associated, or what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, so the four D four D mix is the foundational understanding of the phases, or really the better choice is the stages that a business lives in. A business lives in all of these four Ds that I'm about to explain. But as an entrepreneur, we need to elevate ourselves up to the highest level D. But your business must be balanced between the other four Ds, and the QBR is in there. It's actually in the first stage. So here's what the four Ds are. 
The first D stands for doing. Every business must be doing an activity that renders a benefit to the customer or doing an activity that supports the activity that's rendering a benefit to the customer. So if, you, if you're you know, cleaning homes or, or offices, you need to do that cleaning activity. That's a doing activity, but also the creation of invoices, the marketing, the administration of your team, that is also doing because it supports the organization. The next level up is called deciding. And businesses need to have this, but in very small portions. Sadly, most businesses have huge amounts of deciding what's going on. And here's what it is. I'm the entrepreneur and uh, say, Mike, you're the employee. I go to you and say, hey, Mike, you know, welcome to the company. You're going to be doing our invoicing. Um, please uh, create invoices. And here's a best practice that we follow. You start doing it. And then you come back and say, hey, I got a question. Um, I didn't, I don't know, should we be sorting these out by last name or first name from our clients? And then I make a decision deciding. I make a decision saying, oh, you know what, do it by last name. And you come back a second later and say, hey, what should I do now? Uh, build in increments of 15 minutes or per project. I make a decision. And I constantly tell you what to do. I decide on your behalf. The trap here, of course, is this is a form of micromanagement. It's task rabbiting. I tell you to do a task and you come back to me. Many businesses actually try to grow this way. They say they're delegating. This is not delegation. This is deciding for others. And they get trapped when they have three or four employees because the entrepreneur sits there with this incessant stream of questions. And we start thinking our employees are idiots. They can't decide for themselves. Well, the problem is the idiocy is not them or it's not even us. What the idiocy is the system. The fact that we're forcing ourselves to be the sole decision maker for the organization. The way through this, and we have to get through this, is to go to the next level D, which is delegation, the true form of delegation. And Mike, most people don't understand what true delegation is. Delegation is not the assignment of tasks. Delegation is the assignment of outcomes, and they're radically different. An outcome is what you want to achieve. A task is a specific process. An outcome, example, instead of saying invoice, invoicing, which is a task, an outcome could be like, we want to ensure that our clients are billed accurately and on a timely manner. That's what I'd like you to achieve. So if you're my boss, Mike, you'd say, Mike, we want to make sure our clients are billed accurately uh, and, and on a timely manner. You then say, we do have a best practice. Here's the best practice we follow. But as you go through the sequence, if you have questions or challenges or problems, I've hired you for it's on your shoulders, your head. I want you to do what you determine to be in the best interest of the business. That's, that's the right. That's so, it. So are, you, are you, are you actually proposing much, which I think you are. And I'm, I'm well behind it is we actually let our employees make decisions within the best, con the best framework for themselves. And if they still screw up, we're oh, gonna, and, and, oh, wow. You nailed it. And that's the, that's the part most people miss. So that's exactly what I'm saying. And that last little part you said, Mike is the most important when that employee comes into your room and says, I don't know, or, or I made a decision to move us here. I wasn't sure if it's right. Here's what happened. And it's a bad outcome. You still have to reward them. That's the challenge. When they make decisions that they feel is in the best interest of the company, and even if it's a total F up, you guys say, hey, you, you try to move us forward. You're, you're pushing us forward. It didn't come out the way we wanted. I know you can go fix this, but the fact that you decided uh, to move our business forward in, in what you thought was the best way is awesome. Keep doing that. So you have to reward all decisions, including the bad ones. And most entrepreneurs fail at this and therefore start unwinding. They say, you know what? You're an idiot. You screwed that up. I'm going to have to do this stuff myself. Next time I'll tell you what to do, which brings us back down to deciding. And ultimately we start doing the work ourselves. The, the fourth and final level is called designing. And this is what entrepreneurs need to aspire to do. Designing is clarity on the outcome we want for our organization. It's that, that image we've set, that, that painted picture of, of what the future looks for our organization. And 
the tactical and strategic decision-making that navigates us toward that. That's the key. This is where we choreograph all the organizational resources we have, the tools, the people, the software, the programs, everything, the contractors, get them together and move them toward that vision. And when roadblocks and problems and competitors appear and disappear, we have to make a shift, a strategic and tactical decision to again get us back on path with that vision. My final thought is this. There is a statue dedicated to the most important role we play. And it's a very famous statue. It's called the thinker. Here's this naked guy sitting there with his chin on his fist, just thinking. And that's what we need to do. Entrepreneurs are doing way too little thinking and way too much doing. That's what I'm saying. We got to move from doing this, putting the business on our back and moving our business to our brain. I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. And, and I, I, it's the one thing that popped in my head as I'm thinking about it is, is, in your opinion, is it is that shift when people go up and they start to scale up and they got to pull back all that and they start going back, well, forget it. I'm right. just going to work by myself. It's easier. I can make these decisions, but we never get past that point. And that's why, in my opinion, at least a lot of these small businesses aren't scaling past to a, a business where they can actually get into that design phase. hundred percent. I think it's upwards of 95% of businesses will never get past three employees. And the reason is because we're controlling the decisions. We have to let go of it. Now the problem of course is ego or ego holds us in and says, but I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm needed. We love being the superhero and swoop in and fix a problem and swoop back out. We have to, I don't think we can squash our ego. I've never been able to do that for myself. Um, but what I've been able to do is rechannel my ego. We have to put more value, self-worth in choreographing our resources, thinking and designing than we do being a superhero. Wow, awesome. And if you're if you're listening, you're listening to Mike here, um, sometimes allowing those employees to make those mistakes can be the biggest gains in efficiency in getting your life back from your business. Yeah. Um, and tagging on to that, uh, I, I thought as we're opening up this, we might do a little uh, the battle's about to rock ACDC, but apparently yes. something inside our business ACDC that uh, is applicable to growing and scaling a business also. I mean, who knew ACDC, the best band ever, arguably, also has the best business model ever. It's ACDC. So, uh, and it will put you back in black. So the ACDC model is this, and it has nothing to do with the band, quite frankly. It is the flow that every business goes through. Now, it's not necessarily the same sequence. So as I explain this, your business listening in may be a separate sequence, but it's always an ACDC. The flow of the business is this. A stands for attract. Every business must attract prospects. Uh, that's the only way we can get business. And maybe it's word of mouth. Maybe it's through social media. Maybe it's through a great marketing campaign on Infusionsoft. But you have to be, or maybe it's a combination, attracting customers or prospects. C is conversion. Conversion is where a you convert a prospect into a customer, meaning they will uh, they agree to give you money in exchange for a service offering or a product. That's the conversion. D stands for delivery. This is our obligation to the customer. We deliver what we promised on. And the final C is collection. And that is their promise to us, which is when they render money to us. So ACDC. Now, the reason this model is so important is if you have a slowdown in your business or your business is struggling, it's always one of these elements that's struggling the most. And therefore, it's the only thing that needs to be fixed in the moment. And the entire business will strengthen. Consider a chain with many links. If we're pulling the chain as hard as possible, it will ultimately break. And where will it break? At the weakest link. Therefore, if you want to strengthen the entirety of the chain, all you have to do is strengthen the weakest link. Then when you pull on it, it will break again at a much higher tolerance. And this time when it breaks, it's at the new weakest link. And that's the spot we fix. And you can keep on strengthening a chain by going link by link, but only one link at a time. Our business is linked together in this model. If you have a problem and slow down your business, we look at each of these elements and say, where's the cause of it? Where's the weak link? Fix that and everything elevates. 
as an example, say um, you you have a problem with, uh, you can't keep up with demand, right? Which is a good problem. It seems like it's a good problem to have, but now you have customers complaining, saying you don't show up in time, you're never there. So we start looking at the D because that's a deliverable model. Say, why are we having a problem here? And you may say, you know what? We have so many customers. We just actually can't keep up the customers. We're running pretty efficiently. We got our crews out and everything's going, but we're, we're, we have too many customers. Then you look at it and say, you know, we have too many customers that are bad customers. We have a few that are great. They pay us well, they love us, but holy cow, look at all these crappy customers. We have these customers who barely pay us and are always uh, arguing with us about our services. You actually may have a conversion problem that's showing itself in the Ds, meaning you may be having, as a salesperson, anyone's a good customer, when in reality is everyone's not. Maybe we have to be selling better, better qualifying customers before we convert them, and that will make the business flow again. So again, ACDC, Look for where you have a problem and then go through the flow and say, is that immediate issue, the cause, the immediate problem, or is it something before it? And then fix it and the entire business will improve. Awesome. And I know we've got a very compressed schedule, so I really appreciate you joining us. We've got maybe six, seven minutes left here. Um, I, I just want to kind of bring this full circle. I know a lot of people are making comments that they've been checking out Profit First. They've been checking out the Pumpkin Plan. Um, and I want to see maybe we can just tie this back a little bit. Um, to maybe the pumpkin plan or even profit first about basically knowing who you are serving. And I think you're kind of alluding that a little bit as you're qualifying that customer through that process. Um, so I'll kind of let you steer. Obviously, you, you know what we're talking about here, but um, is there any correlations of majority of the people watching, I think have definitely read at least the pumpkin plan and profit first. And a lot of them are implementing through a profit first professional. So if you haven't checked that oh, out, awesome. check out uh, Mike's resources, but there is profit first professionals that are, uh, near and dear, and they specialize in lawn care, home cleaning, pest control. Yeah, uh, these individuals know your business like clockwork, in and out. Uh, <laughs> they, they can help you. Um, but you know, as we kind of the home run stretch here, uh, Mike, can you mind pulling that all together? And just how does this accumulation of knowledge all work as a system now? Yeah, so it's funny as I wrote these books, they all, as you're saying so well, they 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 stack on top of each other. And the next book, I'm just conceptualizing and now I'm talking with my publisher, it's going to stack you on top of clockwork. You know, the foundation for many businesses is sales. Like you have to have ongoing sales. That's the oxygen for your business. Um, but you have to have healthy sales. And most businesses are breathing in carbon dioxide with crappy customers. So the filtering of customers matters. And, and that's what the pumpkin plan is all about is bifurcating the bad from the good and then cloning and focusing on the good. Sadly, most businesses focus on the bad. And that's not even our intention. That's what we do. The squeaky wheel gets oiled. That bad customer, you know, says, I'm not happy with the cleaning of our facility. You go back and you do it again at no cost, right? That's actually such extraordinary service that they keep on re-engaging you. And they're a bad customer because they're not paying. We got focused on the customer who the first time was like, holy cow, this was amazing. Go back and do something special for them. We have to cater to the best. That's the key. And I explain that in pumpkin plan. Then it's all about profitability. So sales is the oxygen of a business, but the nutrition is profit. Sadly, a lot of businesses that have no profit actually think sales is, is the solution, which is not. Meaning they're starving for nutrition and they start gasping for oxygen uh, to solve the problem. And that will never fix it. Profit is the need to have permanent profitability. And that's why I wrote about profit first. The system is real simple because it's in the title. As revenue comes in, you immediately take your profit first tuck it away and run your business off the remainder. It's reverse engineering profitability. And it's forcing profitability into your business and it forces you to run your business efficiently. Then as this ties in together, once you have a business as consistent sales, pumpkin plan, once you have uh, permanent profitability, profit first, then it's about 
the flow of time. Uh, it's time management so that you have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, and not be a slave to your business. And that's what we've just been talking about. And that's what clockwork does. Awesome. And just to close up, um, is, is we're starting to reverse engineer a lot of this. Um, you had a really interesting spin on uh, Jim Collins's BHAG, Big Harry Audacious Goal. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, 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 that, that was mind blowing. So I'm going to let you introduce it. Uh, you, 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 you termed the coin or you, you actually came up with a new phrase for it um, yeah. with your opinion. And honestly, and I'll let you do justice to it, but it was near and dear to my heart. I had never looked at that. Um, and that was one of the big things I took away outside of the four D's and the ACDC and the QBR is that spin on that BHAG is that made sense for BHAG. And before then conceptually, it just didn't, it didn't feel, feel right to me. Yeah. So uh, Jim Collins' concept of BHAG is your big, hairy, audacious goal. What's that big thing we want to achieve in the future? It's the vision we're, dr we're driving toward. And it can be motivating for the entrepreneur, but it's really not often motivating for the employees. I mean, if I say, hey, team, we're going to make $10 million this year. They don't care. How does that affect them? Like, it's not motivating. But secondly, is uh, very quickly we find out that certain metrics are never fulfilling. Like once you hit that $10 million, you think the world is saved. Well, now you think it's a $20 million that'll do it because 10 million actually didn't. I propose a new modification of Jim Collins' concept and I call it the Big Bang. And Big Bang stands for Big, Bold, Audacious, Noble Goal. And, or I'm sorry, Big, Beautiful, Audacious, Noble Goal. And the, the two changes I make here is beautiful and nobility. Beautiful is, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what do you define as a beautiful thing? Um, what do you perceive as wonderful? And in the BHAG, we are catering to the customer. Like, you know, we got to do tons of millions of dollars by wowing customers. I'm actually changing the model here and saying, we actually wow ourselves. What gives us joy? That's true beauty. And nobility is about impact. How is it serving others? Because when it gives us joy and serves others and we truly understand it, that is the ultimate motivator. There's a wonderful book on this concept called Man's Search for Meaning, uh, written by Viktor Frankl. And he talks about how, I mean, it's, it's about uh, Auschwitz and, and the, uh, the horrible experience uh, during uh, World War II in Germany. But what it points to is how we are so made of, motivated by purpose. And when we have a big bang, a beautiful, noble goal, that becomes such a magnet, it surpasses the impact that even striving for money can have or size. Seek nobility, seek beautiful. Awesome. I know we're going to wrap it up right now. I want to be conscious of your time. Uh, Mike Michalowicz, check it out. Clockwork, make your business run like clockwork. Other books you got to check out if you haven't seen as well. Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Profit First. Go out and find yourself a Profit First professional if you haven't. Um, they've got different pods and different levels of that, groups around your town possibly. Um, just a game changer, helping small businesses. And Mike's helping eradicate entrepreneurial poverty one business at a time. So, Mike, thanks again. If you're thanks, checking us out next week, huge announcement, Jason Cup coming to the SA Weekly Talk Show once again. I know Jason's a fan favorite with the SA community. He will be here at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central next Thursday. Mike, awesome to talk to you again, and thanks again for everything you do for small business. Thank you, Mike. Take care, brother. All right, take care. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.